Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod and on Twitter at tck underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at tckpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Sky back with you. Lucas Kaser back in the place to break down the Thursday night football game tonight. The Sunday afternoon games on Sunday, Sunday night football between the Buccaneers and the Raiders, and Monday night football with the Rams and the Bears. Lucas, how you doing, man? Good to have you back. Doing good. I'm finally realizing that uh, this is the point of the season where you have to check your waivers a lot, and there's a lot of injuries, and now bye weeks, so I'm, I missed the ball on that one, uh, but we're definitely... Definitely seeing the repercussions of all the injuries and bye weeks coming up here. Absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see how people wade through this time. It was tough enough. I mean, usually we have like a four week period to start the season uh, where, you know, we're, we're scot-free. There's a couple injuries every year, but things are good. But this year we had the early bye with the, the Titans and the Steelers. We've had COVID stuff. We've had massive injuries, of course. Um, we've had a couple of benchings. We've had studs underperforming, even if they are healthy. It has been a crazy season thus far, for sure. This is episode 288 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. Lucas, we got a lot of games to cover this week, man. Let's jump right into it. Listeners, we are getting into the Thursday night game, Sunday, Sunday night football, and Monday night football. We did all of the earlier slate games yesterday with Bobby Lamarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X Factor. So dial back one episode to catch that one. Lucas, let's get into tonight's game. Man, it's a barn burner for second place here. Potentially a tie for first here in the uh, AFC (laughs) or NFC East, excuse me, between the Giants and the Eagles. The Giants come in one and five. The Eagles somehow have a better record at one, four and one for the Giants. Look, we you and I had had mentioned multiple times throughout the summer. Obviously, Saquon is hurt now, but we were worried about his schedule, worried about Daniel Jones, and he has struggled mightily. Um, I don't. I can't rely a person on any other pass catcher. Hopefully we get Sterling Shepard back, but I'm not excited about Evan Ingram or anybody else on this team other than Darius Slayton, but he twisted his ankle catching a touchdown last week. So can we rely on him on the other side with the Eagles? They are arguably the most beat up team in the NFL and Carson Wentz, you know, hit or miss. He actually performed pretty well against the Ravens last week, but he is, uh, you know, been struggling fantasy wise in general Barely has any weapons. Miles Sanders is out. Uh, Zach Ertz is out. Goddard seems to still be out. And, of course, they have a depleted receiving core if Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey do not come back. Travis Fulgham has been a lot of fun, but uh, can we rely on him weekly? And, um, you know, is there actually any excitement here in this game for fantasy purposes? I mean – I think there's like sneaky sort of like some of these waivers. I think like Boston Scott and Richard Rod- Richard Rogers are two names that have kind of 
uh, risen, I guess you could say, from the from the injuries that have gone with them. But I think you just kind of stick with Fulgham. I don't even want to say Boston Scott is like an auto start because I still think that Clement will get some work, but it's kind of hard to tell, and it's not like we're really going to know until the game happens. So I think he's really a flex uh, if else. But I think Richard Rodgers is one if Goddard actually doesn't play. Um, like I was saying, there's a lot of buys this week, especially teams with tight ends in Indianapolis, Miami, and Baltimore where you're going to need a tight end to fill. Um, most notably, Mark Andrews probably is the one that I'm experiencing a lot. And Richard Rodgers without Goddard should be just fine. I think he had four or five targets uh, last game after Ertz went out. And, I mean, it, they were trailing from behind the whole game. But I can't imagine that they're – I don't know. I mean, he's basically the number one, number two target if Goddard's not there. So, Fulgham is the one with Goddard being the two. And maybe we'll see Boston Scott sort of come back to what he was at the end of the year last year but besides that I don't really think there's a ton here you could you could flirt with the quarterbacks but I feel like there's better options in a non-super flex league I agree it's going to be a, a shootout potentially um an ugly shootout in Philadelphia we'll get to our picks of course at the end of the episode here but uh somehow if um the Cowboys fall again one of these teams will be tied in first place which is absolutely atrocious but that's where we're at in the NFC East all right, man, let's move on to the Sunday slates. we got Jacksonville and the L.A. Chargers. This game has moved around a little bit due to these, uh, you know, unforeseen early buys and things. Moved to the afternoon here. Both teams have been playing okay, uh, but they don't have good records. Jaguars coming at one and five. Chargers coming off of a bye at one and four. For the Jags, you know, they got beat up last week um, by the Lions, but Minshew – seems to be uh, at least a super flex start every week. DJ Chark coming back. He's doesn't seem fully healthy. Keelan Cole has played very well uh, when he's getting opportunities. James Robinson seems like an automatic start here with all these running backs out as well. On the other side, Justin Herbert, I, I would argue is the rookie of the year currently. Um, and then I want to hear about these running backs, right? Do we have Joshua Kelly, who's everyone's been excited about, or is Justin Jackson going to continue to get the work early who broke off a nice run last week or two weeks ago, but wasn't very effective. Otherwise, who's actually going to fill that Austin Eckler role there? Um, can we count on Kean and Allen, Hunter Henry, and Mike Williams, who I think is actually maybe uh, the gem here in this offense for the Chargers? Yeah, I think that, I mean, obviously you're starting Herbert. You're starting both the receivers. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm fairly certain Allen is good to go 100%. I know he got banged up two weeks ago in the um, Saints game, but he should be good. Hunter Henry are starting. I think the running backs, um, it's hard to say, like, which one to play because I think the Jaguars' run defense is so bad that they both could have good games. But I think we just kind of have to see how the touches sort of play out in this backfield. I know two weeks ago when they played the Saints, I was shocked that Justin J Justin Jackson was pretty much the, the starter, I guess you could say. He pretty much uh, – I guess Eckler leaving did not increase Josh Kelly's role is pretty much kind of the way to describe it. Um, obviously, Kelly had more attempts than usual. That's what's going to happen. But it's not like he was getting the beneficial touches like Justin Jackson was. So I really think what is it to see and wait before we kind of make any decisions? Um, I would probably lean Kelly if you had to, just because he's still he's been getting more work for the total of the season, not just that one week. Um, but on the Jaguars side, I mean, uh, James Robinson and maybe DJ Chark, I guess. Uh, this whole Jaguars receiver thing, like, doesn't make sense to me because I just kind of, like, keep switching around the roles of all these guys. Like, Chenault was the underneath guy. 
Chark was their one, and then Keelan Cole was kind of just there with Conley being the deep threat. And then last week, when they had a really good matchup, they come in and Chenault basically doesn't exist. Uh, Chark's the underneath guy, and Keelan Cole's the downfield guy. So I think I would just say start Chark, and then if you have to fill in uh, flexes for bye weeks, you probably can throw in Chenault and Cole. But I think you just it's just not really worth the roll of the dice, anyone besides Chark and Robinson. And the Chargers have allowed, I think, the fourth most, most points to quarterbacks, um, opposing quarterbacks. That's just, the Jaguars just kind of scare me to where Minshew's nothing more than like a bottom end streamer. Um, this, they just have, they're just not a good team. And it's just, I don't see much value in Minshew in, in total. I think this could also be a uh, sneaky shootout as well. Um, now the Chargers are going all the way across the country, or I'm sorry, other way around. Chargers are hosting this game. The Jaguars are going across the country from Florida to California, uh, one of the longer trips in the NFL, and that could be a bit taxing there for them. So I think the Chargers uh, roll in this game in general, um, and I do think Herbert has a big game, and I'm excited to see what uh, all these guys can do off of the bye. Um, so start your studs for the Chargers. I agree you can fire up both running backs for them, and it, pretty much it's you know James Robinson. And and uh, I do think uh, Chenault, uh, who I didn't mention that in the intro there. Um, I think he's got a, a, you know, kind of a sneaky floor as well. Um, he's kind of a nice Debo Samuel play, uh, but we'll see what Minju can do, man. He's basically, he's kind of Baker Mayfield, but a little bit better. It seems for fantasy where he's either, you know, a dud uh, or he crushes. So <laughs> I do think this will be an up game for him as the uh, Jags should be trailing there. They're a eight point underdog on the road there um, for the Jaguars. All right, let's go to Seattle and Arizona. Big divisional matchup, man. All of a sudden, the Cardinals with a big win over Dallas. They're 4-2 and two at home. Seattle's 5-0. and oh. Over the last handful of years, uh, dating back the last decade, really, of the Legion of Boom and all this stuff with the Seattle Seahawks, um, this division, although the, the, you know, the Niners are pretty good for a few years there, but the Rams were very bad for a long time. The Cardinals were very bad for a long time. But in this particular game, this, the Cardinals and the Rams have been able to steal some wins over the years against Seattle. And now both teams are, are very good. Um, I think this is going to be a sneaky one uh, in Arizona. But um, Seattle comes in undefeated again, 5-0. and You know, Russ is Russ. DK, Tyler Lockett, you got to fire up all of those guys. Um, and Chris Carson, uh, assuming he's healthy. And then on the other side with the Cardinals, uh, you know, it's a little bit different. It's flashy, but I'm not sure it's as guaranteed. Do you trust Kenyon Drake? Do we roll with Edmonds, who I think a lot of people thought was going to take a lot of that work from last week? Nuke's automatic. Kyler's automatic. But can we trust Christian Kirk, who had a nice 70-yard touchdown, but only two catches on the week there? So, again, this is one of these games where there's a lot of names for fantasy, but it seems like uh, – you know, there might be a little bit of fool's gold here. Yeah, I mean, I think the – I don't know. I think people kind of overreacted to this Cardinals offense last week, um, considering that Kyler was like 9 for 22 on passing. Like, the 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 Cardinals offense, like, still isn't that great. And I think that's, like, just kind of getting forgotten about, maybe you could say a little bit. Or the team is still not that good. Obviously, they played – the brutal Cowboys defense and Andy Dalton. And like, I mean, they should win that game, even if it's on the road, whatever. But I mean, I think you got to start Kyler. You have to start Drake based on the fact that 
even in a blowout, Edmonds didn't take any of his work. It just, I think it was just kind of circumstantial that Edmonds caught a couple passes for touchdowns the, the beginning of the year. I mean, I don't think Drake is really necessarily that great, but he's getting the touches. Uh, you start Hopkins, obviously, and I, I think you got to throw Kirk in this matchup um, just because I – I believe that Seattle will be able to control the tempo of this game, meaning that they're going to have to throw the ball. It doesn't seem like Kyler and Isabella are kind of on the same page with a lot of their throws. It just kind of looked like they were, I don't know, but he was just running down the wrong routes and it just kind of wasn't clicking and then Fitz is just going to have his same role. So I think you just kind of, there's kind of like the core four of that team um, that I think is startable every week. As of now, it might boil down to three if Kurt kind of was just a fluky game, but I think he's fine. Um, at least this week is the matchup's pretty good. I agree. And it will be interesting to see uh, if Drake can keep it up. I know a lot of people are relieved and excited, but also trying to uh, sell the farm if possible because they're also nervous about it. So we'll see what happens there. Seahawks are three and a half point favorite on the road in Arizona. All right, let's go to your Denver Broncos up against Kansas City. Denver's played them pretty well over the last couple of years. They should have had a couple wins last year. Kansas City has, you know, they've gotten the wins. They're five and one, but they have not been the Kansas City of last year at all. They have been uh, rough, to say the least. They absolutely beat up the Bills on the ground last week, which was surprising. They had the most carries, most rush attempts, and the most rushing yards under Andy Reid as a Chief uh, during his tenure there. Very interesting on that side. For the Chiefs, you start your studs. My only question for the Chiefs is if Watkins is good to come back, do you fire him up? If not, do you fire up Hardman and or uh, Demarcus Robinson. And what do we do with Le'Veon Bell? This is going to be a big question, right? We have no idea what he's going to come in uh, to deal with here. So I'm a little bit, um, a little bit wary about this situation. On the other side, Broncos, Philip Lindsay uh, should be the guy here. We're not sure about Melvin Gordon, unless you know, as the uh, Bronco insider there, what's going on with him. Do we trust Drew Locke and Tim Patrick is maybe the most exciting wide receiver there on that team and Albert O got some work with Noah Fant out as well uh and Jerry Judy there so again a lot of question marks in this game yeah I mean I think on the Chiefs side I don't I think I said it last week the whole like McCole Hardman sort of like uh, he, he's Tyreek's backup and I think we've seen that more often than we've seen the opposite sides so I think we just kind of have to accept that even with Watkins out even against the Bills pass defense that is been exposed on the back end he still couldn't do anything in a game that was close in a game that like, it wasn't a blowout at all so if Watkins comes back I mean I think you play Watkins I think he's just kind of the flex piece nine ten points with a chance for more that you can get um the, the Le'Veon Bell thing I don't I, I think it's gonna <clears throat> I think it's gonna be he's gonna be like the third down back I guess I don't because I just don't see where the Chiefs just throw him in the game right away especially the way that Alaire has been running like, I know on Monday he 20 some rushing attempts. It was like the first time 26. Or something that, yeah, the first time the Chiefs have like ran the ball more than throwing it or some some weird stat like that. And Alaire looked great. And I think that it just doesn't make sense. Like it makes sense the signing does, but it doesn't make sense to just like eh, you can just be on the bench now behind maybe on Bell. Some guy who hasn't got over four yards per carry in the last five years of his career. I don't know if it's circumstantial to the Jets or whatever, but I think Bell's just going to be the third down back. You definitely can't play Bell, I think, this week. I think you just have to wait and see kind of how it plays out. I mean, I'm not super worried about Allaire. I mean, you got, you just kind of have to expect that the – you know, you kind of have to expect that the, the, the production's going to go down, but he also hasn't been scoring that much. So, like, it might even out. Maybe if they just bring him into the goal line uh, versus Bell, maybe takes third down snaps or something. So, 
just wait and see on that. I wouldn't freak out on either side too much about expectations. Um, and then on the Broncos side, I mean, I'm glad that Gordon's suspended maybe, or even if he isn't, because Lindsey's the better running back to me. I think we saw that last week. He's just a more shifty runner. He's nothing more than an RB2 in this matchup. Chiefs run defense isn't great, but I, I expect the Broncos to be trailing quite a bit. Um, the fans should be back this week. If not, I think Albert O could be potentially one of these streamers um, that you might have to throw in. He Locke looked to him pretty much every single play he was in first, which obviously makes sense. They played in college. And then the receivers, I mean, I think I don't I think it's hard to tell because I don't it's hard to rank Patrick and Judy because they play two completely different roles in this offense. So meaning that like I don't know it's due to the negative game script, I don't know, like you can say I'd rather play Judy over Patrick or Patrick over Judy. I think they're just both flex pieces. Um in a week like this where you might actually need to throw them in, but I think they're both definitely flex pieces. Um in a game where they should be throwing the ball quite a bit. Do we know what's going on with Melvin Gordon? I have no clue. I, I, there, I, yeah, I don't know. I would imagine he doesn't play this game. You'd think, I guess, but like then at some point they have to make a decision because they can't just keep saying he's inactive, right? Like they got to punish him or cut him or I, I don't really know. So I would, I think you just, you roll with Lindsay for now. I would imagine there's going to be news by today when you're listening on Thursday. I would think because they travel on Friday, so we'll see. Okay. Well, still waiting uh, three years later for my boy Royce Freeman to um, <laughs> get 20 carries and see if he can actually do anything. But, um, man, not not looking good. All right, man, let's take a quick pause here just to rep the pod and uh, rep yourself, Lucas, of course. Anybody tuning in the last maybe month or two that has actually not heard from Lucas much, um, he, uh, he's been on the pod very consistently for the last two seasons, took a few weeks off uh, recently, but he's back in the swing of things. And Lucas, um, I know you're not uh, super social media these days, but uh, let us know your handles real quick if people would like to follow your content. Yeah, I think my Twitter is uh, at K-A-C-E-R underscore Lucas with a K. Um, it's really about it. I don't really use it a ton, I guess, but I occasionally tweet on there, so. Well, I will tell you, uh, although Lucas isn't so much in the social media world, he is doing a ton of work behind the scenes, very analytically based. And those of you that have been listening uh, previous to his uh, departure for a few weeks know what he's bringing. So huge contributor here to the TCK pod also built the draft guide preseason and um, uh, also put together the website as well. You can see that at TCKpod.com. Follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod all right lucas three more games here let's do the last sunday afternoon game my niners going up against the uh benavides boys patriots here niners coming in three and three patriots are two and three i uh, haven't heard the stat but i would be very curious to see when the last time the patriots were under 500 uh after basically the first two weeks of the season patriots are a two-point favorite at home for the niners looked very good on um thursday night against the against the uh or uh sunday excuse me against the rams where two weeks ago they looked horrendous jimmy g still bad i'm staying with that his average depth of target was negative 2.2 yards in the game so everything was behind the line of scrimmage but it doesn't matter when you have george kittle debo samuel brandon Ayuk, 
and uh, great running backs. So he was able to get it done there, and they were able to get the big win over the Rams. George Kittle's automatic. Debo, I think, is a is a nice flex piece at this point. Ayuk is kind of the same player. We'll see what happens there. Raheem Mostert, not yet on the IR as far as I know, but it does sound like he will land there. They're just trying to figure out the diagnosis first. Looks like Jarek McKinnon, and if he's healthy, Jeff Wilson back in the mix. There's also Hasty, who is in the mix as well. I'd be curious how you feel about some of those running backs there. And on the other side with the Patriots, look, you know, in super flex leagues, Cam Newton's automatic. In four-point touchdown leagues, Cam Newton's automatic with the rushing floor. I think you're – dude, I hate to say it, but I think your boy Jules is uh, either out to pasture or injured, uh, but he has not looked good after that career day in week two with 179 yards. He just has not looked fresh. Running backs-wise, Burkhead and James White are basically the same. They unfortunately kind of cancel each other out, but I think they're both flex pieces. And uh, Damian Harris, I know, has been kind of a hot commodity the last two years. We've been waiting for the opportunity. Are we going to get it now? And then wide receivers-wise, I mean, can we count on Nikhil Harry, Demir Bird, whatever, on that side? And uh, would you be confident with either one of these defenses with the question marks there in New England? Man, I don't even know, like, what – I don't – I don't know what happened to this Patriots offense. COVID must have like throughout their playbook. I don't know. They look terrible. Like it. And I think honestly, I think because I was watching the Broncos game, my, my friend, it's a piece of Patriots fan. And I think it's because their defense sucks. Like, I know that doesn't make sense to like correlate that to your offense, but like they were in such good field position all the time last year. They never had to worry about teams being on the field for a super long amount of time. Obviously, they had Tom Brady, completely different offense, but like the defense just isn't able to do what they did last year. And I mean, it makes sense. They they had to regress, and then they had some opt outs, et cetera. But if the Broncos can maul down the field with Lindsey, Patrick, and Judy, like I I would imagine a team that that thrives on time of possession is just going to run all over them. In the 49ers, they're just going to hand the ball off to the receivers, throw it to Kittle, and I don't really care who the running backs are. So I, I think the Niners get them pretty good here. I think pending. I mean, Mostert's not playing this week, at least. I think Hasty got to be the, the – he looked like the main guy. I mean, obviously, Wilson wasn't there, but Hasty, Hasty looked like he got the touches that Mostert was getting when Mostert went down. So I would say if Mostert's out, you can start Hasty. I would think they get McKinnon a little more involved, but I don't know. The last two weeks have been kind of weird with McKinnon following how he started out the season. But I would say you got to start him uh, if you have him in your flex. Uh, start both the receivers in um, Ayuk and Debo and then Kiddo, obviously. Yeah, Jimmy G, I think he's just really banged up, like, to be honest. Like, I know he's not that great in general, but, I mean, he looked fine last week just because they were kind of clicking and he wasn't getting sacked or anything. So we'll kind of see how that plays out here. I can't imagine he gets a ton of, of pressure against the New England D-line. They don't get a ton of pressure. They're just more on the back end. But I think as long as he stays in a clean pocket, he'll be all right. And, yeah, on the flip side, all the Edelman shares are washed. I'm benching him in, like, every league. And I don't know. I, I don't really understand like their concept of offense because they used Burkhead and it worked really well. And they benched him for Harris who came back and then Harris barely even gets the ball now too. Sometimes like JJ Taylor had all these touches. Now he has like none. So I don't know. James White is probably the only one I would start with maybe with Cam Newton. Um, if you have another option pivot though, but with four, four teams on a buy, it might be kind of tough to pivot off Cam Newton. But, yeah, I would probably bench Edelman if you have other options this week. Uh, I just think Sherman locks him down. If they, I mean, if they could shut him down, they lose their safety blanket really for anything. And all you got to do is just contain Cam. And I think their D-line can do that. 
Do you think it's a, it's a matter of, of the offensive scheme or the Patriots getting beat up or Julian Edelman being hurt? Cause I mean, he's long in the tooth and you and I have had this kind of tongue in cheek just to give each other shit over something this year, this Odell Beckham versus Julian Edelman thing, which has been, God, dude, I still don't know who's going to win that bet yet, but yeah. um, nonetheless, they both have, have had huge games. They both completely disappeared. Uh, and Julian Edelman, the only thing that's been steady for the Patriots over the last five years, well, I guess, you know, Gronkowski and Brady, but other than that is James White and Julian Edelman. And James White is James White. I mean, nine targets still. I mean, he'll he'll get his dump-offs, whatever. Uh, but Julian Edelman doesn't seem to be getting the looks that he did earlier in the season. He's not a deep threat, so it's over the middle. So if they get down too much, maybe they just, like, overlook him. I know that Cam Newton kind of has always – not been very accurate downfield, but always kind of been wanting to push the ball downfield. So I think that leans more to Demir Board and Nikhil Harry. Um, they still don't already, aren't using tight ends. I'm just confused. I'm also not sure like what they're doing here. Obviously, Bill Belichick and, and Josh McDaniels are two of the the best football minds in the game. Um, th- they have a plan. This isn't just some random shitty team trying to like make something happen it's very deliberate in new England. I'm just not sure exactly like what the plan of attack is because when you watch them, it seems like everybody's kind of confused, not on the same page. Cam was absolutely dominant for the first two weeks of the season. And then defenses were like, Oh yeah, Cam Newton, like let's just destroy him, (laughs) take away his run game, make him beat us through the air. And all of a sudden he's, he's not been able to. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they, they weather the rest of the storm, man, because the bills have slipped a little bit the last two weeks, but they're legit. If Tua is Fitzpatrick minimum with upside, I think the, I think the dolphins dude could straight up surprise this division. If the, if the Patriots slip here. So um, it's still early. We're only five games in for them, but I am uh, I'm a little bit nervous for the Patriots fans. I got to be honest. We'll have to check in with Chris tomorrow with DZK breakdown. Yeah, I don't, I don't even get it. Like it's like they like completely switched out what they were doing the first three, four weeks, and I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I really don't know. That's why it's hard to even like evaluate if like it's just like they're just bad or like they're not. They're good and just not playing good. I don't know. It's a big, it's a big question mark for sure. I think the big things for the Patriots this week is they are favored at home. Again, I just mentioned that there's a long, you know, the, the Jags have to go all the way across the country to the Chargers from Florida to California. Well, the 49ers have to go from California up to New England into Massachusetts. So that's basically the same distance, you know, 2,500 miles across the country. Uh, that could, you know, that can, a lot of West Coast teams have trouble with that traditionally. So if the Niners can come out off the plane and be ready to go, I think they can actually smash up on the Patriots, even at home. Uh, but if they come out lethargic and Jimmy, is not excellent in his return to New England. Uh, I think the Patriots can beat up on the 49ers, but I think it's going to be a real, real nice game. It should be the uh, game of the week there on CBS. All right, let's move into the Sunday night football game. Speaking of the Patriots, we're going into the new Tom Brady team here with the Buccaneers down South. Also flying across the country to face off against the Raiders in Las Vegas on Sunday night football. Now for the Buccaneers, they're four and two, looking real good. Dismantled the Packers, who were previously undefeated last week. Brady looks good. Chris Godwin coming back, getting more and more healthy by the day. Uh, Evans again 
not getting peppered with targets, but he's been efficient with what he's got. Gronkowski scored last week. Ronald Jones has been the most uh, surprising running back, I would say, for me personally. I just didn't believe in his situation, especially when they traded for Leonard Fournette. But Ronald Jones has had uh, back-to-back 100-yard games. He looks great so far. And on the other side, the Raiders coming off of a bye. We'll see what happens there with them having an extra week against the uh, Buccaneers here. But, you know, I don't trust really anybody on this team. Uh, Darren Waller's automatic because he's a tight end. Um, but Josh Jacobs has been kind of slumping after a three-touchdown performance in week one. And Derek Carr's fun for fantasy because he throws the shit out of the ball. But Todd Bowles and his defense, man, I think are just going to have the answers here. So I'm not as excited for the Raiders. Yeah, I I kind of like was thinking this like the Raiders sort of stood a chance in this game. Uh, I, I think they're a little undervalued just like from a general football perspective. But after the way the Bucks played, the Bucks offense played horrible against the Packers. Like it, it was if they didn't get the two interceptions kind of back to back like the game might have ended like 31 nothing like that type of like score just because I don't the Packers just, those two interceptions killed him as much as like that's weird to say but I think just the defense adjusted very very good uh, for the Bucks and I think that when you're one-dimensional like the like the Raiders are with Jacobs isn't going to win you a game he can go for 150 and two and like they might not win a game right like whereas like if Barkley goes for 150 and two like that's winning you the game it's kind of a hard concept to like explain but like that's just the, the Raiders just run the ball so the Tampa Bay isn't like they're saying beat us in the air right and then when it comes to the air game like they have rugs who should get Jamal Dean who's been amazing like a top five corner in the league he'll probably get Winfield over the top and then you have Waller which give Waller 10 targets who cares because it's not like they're like downfield targets or anything so I, I think the Raiders kind of it's they're probably a lot more of an underdog than people might think. And I think that for fantasy, it should be a little bit scary. I mean, you're starting Jacobs, you're starting Waller. I would shy away from rugs if possible. Um, I just don't like the matchup and then car and a super flex if you have to just due to the bye weeks and whatnot, but there's definitely better options um, even with a negative game script. And then for the bucks, I mean, yeah, I guess Ronald Jones is legit. There's kind of like the, the Keyshawn Vaughn sort of like, uh, question, I guess you could say, like, is it actually going to happen? I don't know per se, but I think they're kind of easing him in. But you got to start Ronald Jones, obviously. You start your two receivers. The tight end thing, I thought Bray was kind of starting to take over, and then Gronk decided to play football for a week. So we'll see if he can play football for two weeks in a row and do what he did last week. But I think Brady's also a good start um, in what should be a pretty pretty easy game for the Bucks, I think. And Godwin and Evans are automatics there. Raiders are a three-point underdog at home in Vegas, again, with the Bucks going across the country. Uh, we're going to get to picks here in just a minute. Um, I'll, I'll say this. If the Raiders don't come out of the gate quickly and at least play great defense, which they don't have, or put up 14 points in the first quarter, uh, I think the Bucks will run them in the long run. All right, man, final game here on this slate. We have the Bears and the Rams. Bears are 5-1. and one which doesn't make sense. If you had to, if I wasn't paying attention, it was like, Hey man, it's week six. Where do you think the bears are at? I might give them two and two and four. Um, certainly not five and one with everything they've done. Uh, they might be this year's Packers, which is kind of like a, Oh, you know, they're the third seed in the NFC and they're yeah. whatever the bears. I mean, that's just insane. Anyway, five and one all respect for now. Uh, shouts out to our boy, 
Dewey's nuts and the bears. They're getting it done. So, so uh, respect on the name for now, five to one for the bears, four and two for the Rams. The Rams have looked real good at points in the season and they've looked really bad. Uh, the Niners ran them last weekend and the bear or the um, Rams are five and a half point favorite at home for the bears side. Look, I mean, David Montgomery, I guess. I mean, you have to start him. He's a running back, and we need running backs right now. Um, you know, Allen Robinson, either peppered in targets or, or not much. You got to start him. Anthony Miller, Dar- you know, boy, Darnell Mooney, he's been playing really well. So can you play either one of those guys as a flex? Jimmy Graham, I think, is a weekly start because he could potentially catch a touchdown. And going three for 30 and a touchdown is a top eight tight end on the week. So you got to go with that. Curious to feel, see how you feel about Nick Foles. Obviously, not really uh, single QB leagues, but super flex. And then on the other side, Jared Goff at home um, should be a better result. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are not to the caliber that I think everybody thought they were going to be. Um, Cup dropped a touchdown. He also basically got turned around on a deep pass that those two catches could have completely turned around his game for sure. Uh, Robert Woods continues to score, but he has low input and low target volume. And then what do we do with these running backs, man? I mean, Henderson has a huge game. Then he has a dud. Then he has a huge game. Cam Akers had one snap last week, but Sean McVay said basically it was like a game script thing. And they basically forgot to put him in the game. Malcolm Brown is still around, but not as effective anymore. And look, man, you hit it on the head preseason. Gerald Everett is a better athletic tight end than Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby is no longer Tyler Higby. He had the three touchdown game early in the season, but as long as Gerald Everett is healthy, look, they're going to get the same amount of targets. They get about five targets, six targets each. And it's just a matter of who catches a touchdown. But as of the last couple of weeks, Tyler Higby has been irrelevant for fantasy football. Yeah. I mean, I think like Higby's been getting work. He just like, doesn't look good. And I think it's kind of, I don't want to say like it makes sense, but I think like it is, it's just, he doesn't really fit into this offense. And I think like last year he did because like, like I said, like the, this offense completely changed when he was, when he was tied in one over the last six games, like, cause it had to, they didn't, they didn't have the, the playmakers to, to do what they're doing now. And clearly uh, besides last week, I mean, for the most part, they only lost by eight really. Like it, their offense is clicking pretty good. The running backs, I, I don't really know. I mean, I think, no, I think that the problem is no one had a backup plan. Like if Acres wasn't the main guy, meaning like we can have all these like theories as to what's going to happen, how the backfield's going to play out. We do it every year, but like we, in some cases we have backup plans, right? Like, uh, I don't know, like what if Mostert never got his extension, then it's Tevin Coleman's a better pick, right? For example, or, but like with the Rams, no one like made up any reason for this to be like a completely RBBC. Like there was the idea but then everyone just started leaning acres, rising his ADP, vice versa. So I think it's, I mean, I think you start Henderson if you had to, but like, I think that people are kind of leaning off it. Um, they're just, I don't know. They're just not a team that like, I want the running back of in general, but in a game like this, it might have to be, because the Bears have been, they've been pretty good against the quarterback. I think they've allowed the least amount of fantasy points. And I, mean, I know Teddy B had an okay week last week, just due to some rushing yards and whatnot. But I think, for some reason, like this teams can't throw on them. I think Jalen Johnson, their corner out of Utah is good. Obviously their defense is good in general, but they just kind of slow the game down. So on the Rams side, I'd stick with Goff. I'd stick with the two receivers. And then I'd say both tight ends, especially this week, probably with the tight ends, but Everett's still one of, them. I think the 
he's really the only tight end besides Goddard, like with contingent value with the chance to be a tight end one. Um, and that's kind of hard to come by. So Everett, if he's on your waivers, I would definitely scoop him up just for a good playoff run if Higby were to lose work because he's not playing good or go down. And then on the Bears side, I mean, I think you start – the only guys you're wanting to start every week are Montgomery and Allen Robinson. That's kind of how it was going into the season. I think in a matchup like this, Foles has been good enough to where he could be a QB2 or a streamer. And then there's the whole coin flip of Anthony Miller or Darnell Mooney or the tight end or the other tight end, Cole Komet. So, like, I think it's just kind of a – just start your two. Don't get too fancy. Um, Jimmy Graham has been – I know I was a big proponent of, like, this team just needs a tight end to be good in a weird way. Like, it doesn't really matter how good the tight end actually is. They're just going to get work. So, I think Graham is okay to start this week. But it seems like Komet is kind of uh, starting to to become the tight end they drafted him to be. Of course, this is a revenge game for your boy Foles as well. So, fire him up there. Yeah, it's interesting, man. We'll see what happens. This is a big game. Uh you know, it's kind of crazy to consider these two teams in this position right now, but that's football. And we do this every year with somebody um, four and two for the Rams, five and one for the bears. I mean, this is a legitimate like playoff seating matchup right now, you know, and when we get down, down the stretch here over the next six, seven weeks, we're going to start looking at playoff seating. And this game is going to be a determining factor potentially if the, if these teams stay hot here in uh, you know, who, who, uh, who gets that lead. And it doesn't look like the Seahawks are going to be slowing down anytime soon, but it's really between the Niners, the Rams, and the Cardinals to see who can get that wild card spot there in the NFC West. And the Bears, as of right now, you know, um, tied up with the uh, with the Packers there with just one loss in the division. So, will be interesting for NFL terms. And I agree with uh, with your fantasy takes there. All right, man. Let's jump into our picks for the week. Uh, we'll just go over the later slate. Here uh, with you real quick, a quick recap. I did this yesterday with Bobby as well, but for the folks tuning in, um, we'll give an update here. Lucas had a great week last week, pulls into the lead. We have had 60 games since week three. That's when we started doing the pickums with myself, Lucas, Bobby, and Dweez. Lucas now in the lead, 40 and 20 overall. I'm in second with 38 wins and 22 losses. Bobby's in third, 35 and 25, and Dwee's at 33 and 27. Lucas, let's go down through your uh, later slate picks that we just went over. We've already given the analysis. Let's just jump into the game picks. I'll give you two teams. You give me the winner. Let's start tonight with the Sunday night football game here. New York football giants, Philadelphia Eagles. Who you got? I'm leaning the Eagles for the pick, but I don't. I honestly don't mind the Giants side in this game. Fair enough. I'm going to go with the Eagles as well. Bobby did too. So we're going to go three for three with us here and we'll get to his picks later on uh, for the Eagles move down the list here. The Jaguars at LA chargers, the chargers get them pretty good. I think here. I agree. That's a sweep across the board. Seattle at Arizona. I'm going to go Seattle. I just, I just don't think, I think Arizona, the the flashy plays are kind of taking over the fact that this offense hasn't like in a, in a in an every game sample, this offense is still not as good as people think. Uh, so I think Seattle gets them here. I I think the right move is to go with Seattle. First of all, they're undefeated. Russell Wilson is the MVP in my opinion at this current position. They're amazing, and nobody on Arizona can cover DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett will probably get loose. I just have a gut feeling, man. I'm an NFC West guy as a Niner fan, of course. Over the years, for some reason, 
this seems like a trap game for Seattle. Now they're coming off of a bye. Arizona is going to be off that high win for the, for the Cowboys, maybe over zealous. And honestly, the, the Seahawks could just sort of beat them by three touchdowns, but I'm going to go out on a limb here, try to differ the picks a little bit. Um, and I'm going to go with Arizona at home. I think they sneak it out. And I think this is really Kyler Murray. Like he's on the map already, but if he can get past this game here and Kenyon Drake stays legit, I really think uh, this is going to make the Cardinals a legitimate contender. If they lose this game, Seattle's easily the front runner in the NFC, which they already are. And I think the uh, Niners will surpass Arizona eventually in this one. All right. Next big game for you, Kansas city at Denver. Normally I pick my favorite team every time, but, but not, not this time. I don't, not this time. Usually the Denver Broncos don't beat the chiefs often, obviously, but they play them very well each week. You don't think they have a chance at home. I would say over the last, over the last 30 games of the Chiefs, they're like the most vulnerable right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, they always play them good, but like, I just, like, if I got a pick, like, I just don't, they don't have the, I don't know. They, the Broncos are going to try and do what they did exactly last week and slow it down. And that works against the Patriots, but not against Patrick Mahomes, who can score on you in two plays where the Patriots need a drain clock as well. And we just don't have the firepower to respond. I mean, I think in, in a perfect world with no injuries that we probably did, but not, not at this point in the season, man, I'm really bummed to not see the uh, Corlin Sutton breakout this year, man. I uh, was really looking forward to that. All right, let's go into my pick then this week against those Patriots, the 49ers on the road in new England. I'm going the Niners here. I think that they're going to do exactly what the Broncos did and just keep the short game. Cause it works and just run out the clock and handle them pretty good here. I agree. And if the Niners can get up early by, you know, two touchdowns, 10 points, 13 points, I think their defense is going to be good enough. And if Cam cannot control the game, which I don't think he'll be able to do against the 49ers, uh, I think that they'll just pull away eventually. And as you mentioned, I don't think the New England uh, offense has the weapons to uh, get in a shootout either. So I'll, I'll take the Niners, of course. Sunday night football, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, I just said I'm going Tampa Bay here. I, I just think that, yeah, I don't know. I think they're going to get them pretty good. I don't like this is the Raiders that I think people are, they're undervalued, but I think they're also overvalued because they beat the Chiefs in one game. So I'm going to go the Bucks here. I think they're the better team. I'm going to go Bucks too. Uh, Tom Brady in primetime. Uh, Godwin is finally healthy. Their defense looks good. Rojo looks good. I think it's going to be uh, too much there for the Raiders. Last up, Monday Night Football, Chicago Bears, LA Rams. I, I kind of want to pick the Bears here. I'm going the Rams, but I kind of see this game. The spread's up to like six right now, which I, it makes sense because I think the Bears are kind of a fraud. Uh, five and one or four and one or whatever they are. They're five and one. They're, they're, I mean, they're not a five and one team. Anyone can say that, but obviously uh, you got to you gotta take in the variance in the in the uh, randomness that comes with the games. But I think the, the Rams are just as much of a fraud four and two as the Bears are five and one. So, I'm going to go Rams at home, but I think this one is a, a lot closer than people think. I'm going to go Rams at home, and I 100% agree with your entire take there. Uh, and it, here's the deal. If the Bears secondary, which has been really solid, if they can shut down Cup and or Woods or both um, and Foles doesn't play horribly, I think the, the Bears can also get the win. But I will take the Rams uh, at home in this one as well. I agree. All right, Lucas, that wraps up the – afternoon games for Sunday tonight's game versus the Giants 
and the Philadelphia Eagles. Before we get out of here, I want to give a reminder quick. Baltimore Ravens, Miami Dolphins, Minnesota Vikings, and Indianapolis Colts are on by this week. Make sure those guys are out of your lineup, obviously. And uh, hit us up in DMs for any trade talk, any waiver wire fill-ins. And if you have any um, other questions, make sure to hit us up, and I will get back to you as soon as possible. Lucas, it's always a pleasure to have you on, man. Um, it's great to have you back, of course, in the flow. And uh, we'll get after it next week. Best of luck to your Broncos over the Chiefs, my man. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. The Niners should hopefully handle the, the Patriots here pretty good. Let's let's go 2-0 two and, two and oh this week, man. I'm excited for it. All right, y'all, episode 288 in the books. Tomorrow we got Chris Benavides coming up for our Friday episode with the TCK pod recap and preview. And for Lucas Kaser, I'm Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.